Gumbo listeners, this episode is brought to you in part by OS Nexus is an industry leader in software defined storage, helping you maximize storage platforms like Ceph and OpenZFS. Choose the easy way to manage your storage and reduce costs with less effort. Go to osnexus.com slash try now and mention Data Protection Gumbo to get an expanded community edition. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Here's your host, Demetrius Marlborough. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have Steve Perkins, who is the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer, and Head of Product at Nubeva. Nubeva is an advanced decryption company specializing in ransomware data recovery, and Steve has over 35 years of experience. He's a veteran in computing, networking, and also information security, both Steve Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. How are you? I'm great. Thanks very much and honored to be here. And go ahead and tell the Gumbo listeners uh, more details about the company. Yeah, so we are based out of Silicon Valley, and we are a company that has figured out how to do what some people think is impossible, and that's that we can decrypt modern ransomware. And that is, when I say modern, look, there's a bunch of public decryptors out there for older ransomware and a few exposed code sets, but I'm talking about the most lethal, most advanced ransomware, we can decrypt it. And and we we uh, started marketing those products in the beginning of last year. <laughs> Our biggest problem is people think we're a scam and uh, and such because if you search the internet, there's lots of people that they say can, they can decrypt and and they're really just services companies that are using public decryptors. But this is original intellectual property, and so yeah, we're out there on the bleeding edge of helping companies recover when everything goes bad. I took a look at your website and uh, also uh, went back and looked at some of the things that, that you're doing. And, and I know you have a very interesting perspective on ransomware recovery. And uh, also I saw your, you have a claim that decryption is the fastest path to ransomware recovery. Now, is, is that claim, so I, I guess that, that claim is something that I, I thought our listeners would be interested in hearing more about because decryption in, in most cases equals pay the ransom, right? So pay up. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, so let's break that down. So let's just look at decryption first, and then we'll talk about paying bad guys to decrypt. But if if you think about it, the problem is, is your data is encrypted. And if you look at most alternatives, right, data protection and snapshotting and, and, uh, and offsite backups or replications, whatever they might be, you know, recovering from those involved data transfer, sometimes file selection, et cetera, et cetera, the product that the ransomware guys offer in exchange for money is actually phenomenal. It literally restores your system back to the instant before attack. It's an it's a RPO of zero, right? So, um, so uh, and there's no data movement, and it actually executes at the speed of de- of encryption, right? So, so in theory, decryption is fast. It's easy. It's straightforward. It's actually low cost. Um, the challenge has been, as you said, it's historically only been available from the bad guys. 
with a lot of hair on it, right? And, and we, we could probably talk about later about what are the downsides of paying the ransom or what are all the negatives. And, and if people haven't done it, they might want to hear some of that. And I think it's probably important to say that, you know, before we get too much into this, that, that where am I coming from in all of this is that our company, since we started offering this capability, we've now been involved in hundreds and hundreds of, of incidents. Um, in fact, in Q4, actually in December alone, our team was engaged it's seemingly in a brand new case every day. So, 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 uh, we're seeing ground level, state of the art, what's happening and what are the realities past all the architecture that everybody's out there selling and talking about, right? Because most of the, the ransomware data is coming from companies trying to sell something. And so they skew the data on the reports and on the surveys. So what's really, you know, coming underneath and what are those realities? So, but paying the ransom has been the bad part. But if you think about that, just for a moment, if you said, my system's encrypted, I need my data back. And imagine you could decrypt and you didn't have to pay the bad guys and it was lawful and legal, et cetera. That probably would be your first action in, in many, many cases. So I also see that you, you have a lot of experience uh, with ransomware and it's it's kind of your your specialty and, and your thing. So I'm sure you have you've seen a trend uh, in 2022. I, I guess w what would be that one thing that the gumbo listeners and maybe even myself may not know about? ransomware and ransomware uh, recovery. Yeah, well, one thing, do you mind if I expand it? Just I'll just give you the quick headline. Yeah. F uh, statement of obvious, 100% of victims had cybersecurity. Mm. Okay. Right. And, and in many of the cases we've been in, they've had state of the art, like the latest EDRs, XDR systems, et cetera. And 100% of those victims also had backup strategies. Okay. Right. They had replications. They had snapshotting. They had clouds. In, in fact, some of the people that have been on this podcast, it's not to knock them in any way, but some of those people um, had that the victims had the state of the art stuff, yet they still got ransomed. And the real fact is that right now, about 66 percent of the time, two thirds of the time, people are paying the ransom to get the data back. So if you think about that, that means that your RPO and RTO is unacceptable given whatever you have two-thirds of the time. Now, I saw a study that just came out last week. I forget who it was, but somebody surveyed a couple thousand IT execs. A third of them had been attacked. And one of the questions that was in there that said, hey, you know, how confident do you feel in your data protection strategy? And 70% said, we feel that we're ransomware. Okay protected were ransomware mm. proof in fact proof. it was stronger than that 70 percent believe they're ransomware proof yet two-thirds of the people actually end up paying the ransom anyway um and it's actually interesting because there's another report that cnbc i think it was or, uh, somebody ran this study where they brought a bunch of cfos in and they set these cfos down and they took them through a tabletop exercise and every one of them at the end ended up paying because the rpo and the rto was unacceptable right i mean Right. And, and, and that really is is the net is that once you get past the fact that you can be attacked, now you're dealing with what are all my resilient strategies and layers of resilience opportunities. And so that really opens up a whole different question set for you and I. Of why is it that it's 66 percent? Right. Um, but but I don't know if that's it. I think I'll say it again. Two thirds, 65, 66 percent. And the number might be much higher and unreported because there's a lot of incentives to not report you paid the ransom or a lot of reasons to not report. But the number is really high of how many people are paying the ransom, which is a statement that says they somehow found gaps or created gaps 
in your data protection strategy. So uh, I guess with, with that said, are you also seeing companies who have XDR and you know all these modern up-to-date security systems uh, in place and also backups in place? Are you seeing some of them also paying the ransom? Is that what you're saying? or? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. People with state-of-the-art stuff. Mm. Um, and I'll give you one a couple yeah, of yeah, stories. Yeah, Let me yeah, give yeah. You we love stories here. Yeah. Because so, case studies always make sense. So, all right. Uh, one, of our, uh, one of our customers is a half a billion dollar engineering and construction company. They got ransomed. Um, they had immutable, uh, immutable storage. So they live, let me back up. They live on unstructured data. That's their core asset that drives. If you could think of engineering plans, drawings, constructions, proposals, that's the core of their business, right? So they put in an immutable storage system for all of that that's synchronized and backed up to the cloud, et cetera. So two problems. So they got ransomed um, and two problems. One is, is that they found that uh, I think the quotes, I'm not going to give anything away, but I'll give you the, the sense. Restoring and figuring out how to restore one gigabyte of files consisting of 100 files in one folder took 20 minutes. Okay. They had 70 million files. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So do the math. Mm -hmm. The second issue is there was other assets in their company and dependencies in their company that were also ransomed that they never thought were actually vital dependencies. So one of the things is their domain controllers were ransomed and they never thought to put in place structured, uh, you know, high availability, whatever, whatever. So it didn't matter. People couldn't get on the network anyway. So now we're clicking along at the million dollars a day loss of downtime. So that's an example. Another case is, is that, um, and I think uh, the gentleman from IDC who was on a couple episodes ago, he spoke about this. A different customer of ours actually had. Yeah, Phil, Phil Goodwin. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he talked about how not only will ransomware guys get in, uh, the threat actors, the TAs, they'll get in and they will... Uh, Obviously, they get past security, but they, they're, their main business is really attacking your, your data, right? And so figuring out how to get around your data protection strategies. So they will actually go in and find vulnerabilities in actually protection software, let's say escalate VSS privileges, and turn it off. But now you'd say, well, but I have, I have things that will actually catch when a critical service turns off. It's like, well, not if they actually replace it with a spoofing software that actually says it's still running. Hmm. So wow. meanwhile, now you actually think you're snapshotting, but you're actually snapshotting and backing up and synchronizing dead data. Mm. Okay, right? interesting. Um, as an example, so that was that was another sample where where the snapshots that were actually being replicated up into the cloud for secondary recovery were actually gibberish. So then, what did all that do? It moved the RPO back not significantly, five days. Okay. So then here's here's where that goes. The CFO and everybody and the CEO sit down and say, okay, guys, what's the value of that five days of data to the RPO, right? To our good RPO. Okay, crap. <laughs> but if, if it's good, you know, you roll, roll, burn the machine, roll roll forward. But the if the ransomware gang, if the threat actors are anything worth their while, they figured out that that is worth something. And so then you're posed asking the question is, can I reconstruct at a logs or something else, and what is the RTO of that effort versus just pay? And, and that's what's the real in the weeds, what's going on is the business leaders are sitting in there, and that's why I told you about that tabletop exercise. Invariably, as they're going through the exercise, the CFOs that were being posed with questions of saying, well, what if this is the case? And invariably, they're just looking at it as math and saying, damn it, let's just pay. Mm. Okay. 
right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does make sense. And, you know, as, as, as you were explaining that, it, it also makes me kind of go back in my mind to wonder, you know, what, what is that process that, that companies are going through to, to pay the ransom? And I, I know they, they're going to have backups in place and they have the, you know, cybersecurity latest and greatest device in place to think that, you know, hey, we are whatever percent secure, right? But what are the technical merits of being able to go with decryption on your own versus reaching out to the hacker and paying the ransom and saying, hey, I'll pay you to do it. What's the, what's the, what's the benefit of doing it to yourself? Provided, let's assume you could. Let's just start there. All right. Let's just let's t- so could. let's talk about right, the pain right. and suffering of paying the ransom. Okay. So let, let's start first and foremost with the highest level thing. Your business is down, right? I mean, right, your business is down. Your operations are, are are disrupted. Your business is interrupted, and you're depending upon criminals, the guy who's inflicted damage for your success. Just philosophically, but the number one problem. Let's start, let's start with the realities of it. So if you're going to pay the ransom, you should not, normally people don't do that. Well, let me back up. Let's talk about what happens in an incident response. Okay. Um, and and if, if people haven't been through this, hopefully this will be helpful. Yeah, because I yeah. think it'll give a good context to answer your question. Um, in my view, at a high level, the way you could think about it is when you're attacked, um, you most likely have cyber insurance. So you'll call your insurance carrier. But the second people that you will call is you'll call your lawyers because you need to figure out what are what are my requirements legally around what I'm doing here. Right? That's a different function than what the insurance people do. So you call your insurance companies, you call your people, and they basically put a lockdown on everything. Nobody can talk about anything. So that's the first part. Who's doing that? Is that the CISO or is that the yeah uh, CISO? Well, th- there's different run plans. The chief risk officer might even be the CFO. Okay. Um, wherever the top level risk management function normally lies in a company. Okay. Um, usually, well, let's get more mechanical. Somebody learns that something's down, and then they find the ransom note, and then they all panic, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they yep. hopefully have an incident response plan that they've tabletop regularly. Most people don't, but then that actually lays out. All right, we have a huddle meeting, and we all the executives we talk about this. And in my old company, we used to do that. Um, we were large, uh, a large, large enterprise, and 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 then yeah, everybody had a different role. But the lawyers come in, and so you could think about it. So from that moment, three trains leave the station. They're kind of three trains operating, coordinated but independent. There is a business management function. Okay. The legal aspect, the regulatory aspect, the reporting aspect, the insurance aspect, the financial decision making. The second train is the forensics, the, the, the threat aspect. So this is the world of cybersecurity guys. Their job is to contain the, find the threat, contain the threat, remove the threat, and then remediate the threat. But then there's the third part, which isn't often talked about because in, well, depends on what annual you're looking in, is the third train is, well, let's get our systems back online. Right. So I need to get my data back so I can get my systems back so I can reinstate the operations and then deal with cleanup and and damage. And so those three trains interoperate. But it's rather interesting because we we walk the boundary of both trains because we talk to cybersecurity people because what we do is part of a, a cyber threat. But you would be shocked at how many cybersecurity companies really don't care about the system recovery. That's somebody else's job, right? <laughs> Sysadmins, you guys figure that out. I'm here to get rid of the threat. And it's like, well, but 
you're you're part of this, right? And and uh, and then so the system systems people, their job is to then figure out how do we do it. All right. So with that context, you're going to stop and say somebody will ask the team, "What's the state of our backups?" And and it's interesting. There's some data out there that says most people start with their backups and then they realize a few days in, saying, "Oh, this is not going to be good," right? Uh, this is going to take longer than we think, or we'll have some critical data loss, et cetera. There, there's a lot of data and, and, and cases where people start there and they say, oh, crap, right? <laughs> it's worse than we thought. Okay, now. Or we haven't verified our backups and they're worthless, right? Exactly, exactly. Or they mm -hmm. deleted them, or they encrypted them, or they spoofed them, right. or what have you. Um, now, what happens next, generally, and again, these are all generalities, is that usually at the very beginning very quickly, insurance will bring in an incident response team if you don't have one. Mm -hmm. And they will actually also engage a negotiator who will instantly begin conversations with the ransomware gang, okay. yep. the threat actors, the attackers, in case you do need to pay so that you can shave off time. Mm -hmm. Now, so they start negotiation, but let me just talk about, the, here's the averages. The average time to negotiate, and you can negotiate, Typically, you can get reduction of 50 to as high as 70% reduction in ransom. That's what we see reported. Um, okay. But it takes time. So time is money. What's the the average cost? Uh, average cost of ransom? Yeah, of like a, a hacker asking. Are they asking, you know, 1.2 million, uh, you know, worth in Bitcoin? Or do, do you know that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, it, uh, well, it varies. Um, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I don't mean to be elusive to your question. Um, and I, no, I just no, want to no, remember to get back to the, the, the other thread there. But um, okay. ransomware, the problem with my answering the question is ransomware is a $50 billion growth industry. It is no longer a monolithic set of averages. There are people who have verticalized in different industries. There is software distribution and software as a service. There's people whose job is purely to get into a network, and then they hand off access to other people whose job is to encrypt. But the reason why I'm telling you is that there's also people going after major accounts, and there's people going after mid-market, people going after SMB. Now, with that, let me just say, I literally saw a report yesterday from a, a top-notch incident response outfit that uh, said that um, they had studied a, a game called Black Matter. And in 2022, at least in the cases they saw, their low-end demand was 30, 3 million. Their high-end demand was 30 million. The average was 5.6 or 8 or something like that. Wow, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Now, that's just the ransom, though. Now, remember, meanwhile, you're ticking downtime on your business every day. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. So what's the cost of downtime is typically 10 times the cost of what they're charging. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if they take it down a big bank, they're charging in 30 million. They're saying, come on, guys. I mean, time is money. You're losing transactions. If it's a smaller group, right, it's three. Now, uh, so what happens is your so negotiation takes anywhere from if you want if you want to pay top rate, you could you're done with negotiation in a day. Most people, because insurance is involved, is driven to negotiate down. So they negotiate down, and that takes 10 to 15 days to actually negotiate down. Then you actually have to transact the Bitcoin. So you involve a, either you've got to figure out how to build a wallet and move money around, or you engage a firm that actually does that for you. And then you actually transact it, and then you wait a day or two to get the software, the decryptor from them. And then because it's a piece of software coming from the guys who attack you in the first place, most people will rewrite the software yeah, right, or right, handle it yeah. with kick gloves because you're handling uranium potentially, right? 
<laughs> so the recovery from paying a ransom is is somewhere between once you say let's do that is a 15 to 25 day effort right so mm -hmm. imagine a function yeah. down for 25 days that's crazy yeah that's what we're talking about so now imagine a different world where you actually had a decryptor tomorrow and now you're just sitting there as as, as the the systems team saying guys just let me know when it's safe yeah to restore mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Right, totally different game, and that's that's part of what we're representing and saying is possible. Um, and we could talk how we do that a, a little bit later. There's only so much I'll tell yeah, here publicly, yeah. but but yeah. Okay. But does it did that answer your? Oh question? yeah, that that was great information. And let, let's begin to wrap up here, maybe with with one more question. Uh, let's say that someone, a, a gumbo listener, you know, listened to the first 10, 15 minutes of this episode and starts sweating and realized. O S H I T. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Man, yeah. we don't have anything in place. I cannot answer yes to any of these questions. I don't know how to start. I don't know how to begin. I don't know who to contact. I don't know if I should tell my my manager, my CI, my CIO, my CISO that we don't have, you know, things in place in order to combat ransomware or recover from ransomware. Maybe a piece of advice. Where where should that person start? Well, I think the studies show right now that business leaders, it, even at the board level and executives, they all understand that ransomware is a catastrophe, a new kind of disaster that's out there looming. Okay, So I think the first start is that everybody, whether you're a cybersecurity professional or a data protection pro professional, um, is, is that continuing to help management understand there is no silver bullet. The answer lies in multiple layers of protection, right? We know this. This is we're all IT professionals that I haven't listened to all of your podcasts, but I'm fairly certain that most people come on and say, there's no one answer. There's lots of different answers and nothing is a hundred percent. And the catastrophic nature of this requires an organization to think out of the box and think beyond status quo because everybody who's doing status quo is getting attacked. So I think that's where it starts with is, is creating an awareness that, the, that we can't rest on our laurels and say we're done, unfortunately, because there's a $50 billion industry on, hunting us down, um, and they are far better than you think. Um, and I do want to leave an important point there, and, and that is that most people think that the, the threat and the expertise of, of ransomware guys, and this is a very important thing to maybe leave you all with, just create the sense of urgency to do that. Most people think that the threat of ransomware is that they get past your security. But let's back up. Their core business model is to lock up your data. So therefore, your their core competency is actually in finding or creating gaps in your data protection, right? And exploiting those gaps and maximizing them. So, and it's, if you think about that, right, we got the best talent in the world trying to figure out how to protect something like CrowdStrike from not being broken and they're not necessarily doing that to VSS, right? Um, and 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 so the the system folks are kind of fighting with one arm behind their back and don't realize that the full force of these expert hackers are actually aimed at your infrastructure, which is kind of sits behind the fabric of the security, right? And so um, it, it, it's not being discussed properly in the industry, and you guys need to recognize that threat that that the best systems they're good at, they're proving to be better than you think at actually disabling whatever you put in. And so you need to put in multiple compensating layers of protection. 
I mean, without that, and that's what we're saying is that we we happen to be we think we're one, which is well, ha, what if you could actually decrypt without paying a ransom? And and so we have systems and software that allows us to capture crypto materials when they encrypt that allows you to decrypt. So great, that's just a compensating control that if you have it, it could be the best, fastest, easiest way to recover. Right now. If it's not us, at least look at other compensating controls because the status quo is not it. And and the road answer of just new storage is not it. Or just do backups better is not it. Do security better is not it. We've got a new threat that is finding a new dimensional weakness in organizations. And I, I would submit part of that is that functional thing of they're attacking where security expertise isn't necessarily, right? I don't, so I don't know if that answered the question, but I think it starts with creating an awareness that you might need something more. Uh, and, and probably one last comment there is that and cyber insurance is not, of course, you need that, but that's not it either, because cyber insurance covers financial damages to a point, but they don't cover the loss of brand or 50 percent of your customers leave and uh, uh, lose trust in you and they start leaving and, and not renewing with your your offering or what have you. And they'll pay that until the end of your term of your your policy. And then you're sitting there with 50 percent less customers or worse hospitals every day are being taken down and that's beyond financial wow man that this was a a very punchy you know action-packed episode with uh, with some great information and you know you have my wheels spinning i I learned some things that i I didn't know before and uh, i I appreciate your your passion and fervor for you know ransomware decryption and also you know helping others to kind of combat the recovery aspect of ransomware and to kind of help on that on that other end if something does happen which you and i know more than likely something will happen. Uh, the, these guys are, they log in every day, just like, you know, I log in every day to to go to work. Uh, and that's their job, right, is to exploit, do reconnaissance and, and kind of find, you know, that needle in a haystack to get in to, to, to get the data. So, uh, Steve, I, I do appreciate you being on the show. Any any final outgoing thoughts for the gumbo listeners that you would like to leave them with? Um, I think I kind of said it in the recap. I will just say this is that, it's really important to understand that the the attackers are not a bunch of kids sitting in their basement who are just brilliant and figured out how to hack into NORAD anymore. This is a commercial industry. And as soon as you grasp that there's an entire segment of the industry whose job is to beat security, and there's a whole different part of their that segment of them that their job is to exploit the data, you start to take a different perspective on this and realize oh, it's really dimensionally different than the way the industry is teaching us to think about it. So that's it. Think different and and just don't think status quo. Think different and don't think status quo. Uh, Steve, thank you for being a guest on Data Protection Gumbo. I really do appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you very much. I love your show. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.